All right, episode three. Welcome back to Own the Contrary. Uh, we are part of the Yards Per Fantasy Network. I'm very excited to announce that. We've been a part of their network for this whole time, uh, but I just had the presence of mind to remember it today. Um, but I also had the presence of mind to know the topic of today's show, and that is going to be our 2020 half PPR rankings. Austin, I'm excited to, to chop it up with you on a few names that we differed on, that we agreed on. But before we get to that, uh, your boy, your ride or die, Antonio Brown is retired. And will you please drop him already? No, no way, dude. He's retired a couple times. He's coming back. And when he does, he's a top 10 guy. He's gone. He is, he is so far gone. He is pedal to the metal, rear view mirror. NFL is behind him. And I just personally think your whole like hipster Antonio Brown, you know, holding him when he's not playing in the NFL thing is just wearing really thin. So just, just kind of give it up, dude. Hey man, when our league starts counting stuff for uh, just excessive tweeting and kind of public freakouts, like I've been wanting to, I know he's going to come in handy. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, yeah, he scores the style points for sure. And um, I know that you're always trying to be stylish. So it's uh, you know, it's, it's a trendy hold, but at the same time, I am uh, a little bit relieved because I thought he might come back for a bit, and I don't think that's going to happen anymore. But, oh, my God, would that have been Fingers disaster. crossed. Oof. For my, for my fantasy team, I don't really care if he comes back. <laughs> At this point, I want to see him play. But Me too. Uh, with him not a part of our rankings at the moment, at least, um, we are going to talk about some players that really just stood out to us. These aren't necessarily guys that all fall into any category. Um, we kind of just looked at each other's rankings um, today, scoured them and found, you know, areas where maybe we both have the same deviation from ADP or, you know, just a player who we haven't gotten a chance to touch on yet. We want to. So we want this to be kind of loose and free form, less of a deep dive, more of a, a cursory glance at a number of different players. So I'll throw someone out there. Austin will do the same and we'll just kind of give our brief thoughts. But um, you know, let's, uh, let's do this thing. Austin, why don't you uh, give me your first player here? Who did, uh, who stood out to you? So something I noticed from both our rankings is that we are both lower than the league average on Mike Evans. What do you yeah. think about that? No, I, I noticed the same thing and I'm not as far off as you are. Um, he's numbered, uh, he's wide receiver nine in ECR right now. I've got him at 10. You've got him down at 14. That's a little ways, but I mean, my simple, uh, you know, argument with this is that you kind of have to make a choice between Godwin or Evans to land in the top 10. Um, and it's really unlikely that they're both going to exceed, um, you know, like top eight status. It's just a, a, something that doesn't happen very often from the, uh, the same offense, particularly with Rob Gronkowski there. Um, but what was your, your case against Mike Evans to have him down at 14? Pretty similar to that. Uh, I'm him and Chris Godwin finished top 10 last year, but that was because Jameis Winston just closed his eye and, and threw the ball downfield. Brady's not going to do that. It's going to be a little more controlled. Granted, he's a good quarterback, but I just there's just no way in my mind that he supports two wide receiver ones consistently. And not to mention that Mike Evans, the past couple of seasons, has been the definition of a boomer or bust guy. So it's it's just not really my style for someone who I would probably have to get with a what like low second high third pick yeah and it's it's always hard and it's probably yeah the second round maybe the third um but it's hard to bake in that risk sometimes Amari Cooper is somewhat the same where you know that his floor week to week is lower than most guys around him but he can make up for that with a greater ceiling so um I don't know at the end of the year you know maybe he he sniffs the top 10 but it is going to be a turbulent um path week by week and the other thing is that there's a clash with Tom Brady's style. I mean, he 
only threw for 6.6 yards per attempt. And Evans has averaged over 17 yards per reception the past two seasons. So something has to give there. And I'm guessing it's going to be the fact that Evans isn't going to be catching bombs downfield like he was with Jameis. Um, and with, you know, 67 receptions last year, I don't see a path to him um, landing inside the top eight with that uh, low of a number. Yeah, um, but no I'm, way I'm taking him at receiver two or in the round two. I'd go if I could get him as my receiver two, I'd be fine with it. But there are better guys in that area, which is why I have him lower. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, we're a little bit lower on him. Um, someone who we're pretty in line with compared to ECR is Clyde Edwards Alaire, but I wanted to take a choice, take a chance to just kind of talk through his profile. Um, because he's coming in with, uh, you know, a build that is exciting, but at the same time, I think making people wary since he is probably going to do a lot of his statistical lifting through the receiving game. And I don't have a lot of concerns about that. I have him practically as a running back one at RB13. Um, but Austin, you were pretty similar. You had him at running back 14. Um, what was your you know, reasoning for wanting to have um, a rookie who may not be over 200 carries that high? So I was heavily invested in Kareem Hunt when he was on the Chiefs offense. And I saw exactly what a talented running back can do with a, like Mahomes and a team like that. So if I can get a guy who Mahomes specifically wanted on the team along with uh, just his like player comp just fits perfectly with what they're trying to achieve. He doesn't need 20, 25 touches a game because he can make you a ton of money on 15. And that's the thing. It's, I mean, it's really feasible to see him finishing with over a hundred targets in this offense. There's not anything that's really set in stone after Tyreek Hill um, and Travis Kelsey and you don't need anywhere near a workload backfield role to be able to finish as an RB1. I mean, we saw Austin Eckler with only 132 carries last year finish inside the top 12. So um, it's not – I think the, the perception is that his touches are going to be less than maybe people first thought, and I think that's accurate. But I think that the overcorrection has gone a little bit too far where now all of a sudden people are thinking that he's risky as a you know, back-of-the-second-round sort of pick. And I'll take him there all day, especially when I'm trying to go running back earlier in most of my drafts. Yeah, and to the people that are afraid of the competition, like Damian Williams did show that he is clearly a good football player in that playoff run, but he's also 28. Like this guy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is 21. Like Damian Williams might be there at the beginning of the season, but he's shown that he's also injury prone. So I'm yeah, no, no worries whatsoever about Clyde. Yeah, I mean, he's a first-round pick. This isn't a guy who's a satellite back, even if he is a really, really talented receiver. I'm excited to see him play, though. But um, this next one's kind of a a twofer um, because these are are guys who I think are kind of thought of in the same light, and we are both emphatic um, about two young receivers, Terry McLaurin and DJ Chark. So um, Scary Terry is wide receiver 18 for me, wide receiver 18 for Austin. Uh, We have him as a mid-fourth-round pick, roughly, and then Shark is at wide receiver 19 for me and 17 for you, right around the fourth round pick too. So um, Austin, first of all, you slightly uh, prefer here um, McLaurin to Shark. What was the the very small difference that put one over the other? Uh, and the reason I like Shark more is because he's going to be on a like. I do you remember back in uh, I think like 2015 when it was Blake Bortles, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, terrible Jags defense, just going to town in garbage time. And uh, this this situation reminds me a lot of that. I just see DJ Shark 
being like the alpha on that team, along with Minshew, who I think is underrated. I think they're just going to be throwing all day because I don't have like they lost uh, AJ Boye, they lost Jalen Ramsey in the middle of last season. Like that defense is a shell of itself. So I see them being down frequently, and that bodes well to number one receivers. That was smooth. That was that was smooth. I fucked up, and you just you just glossed right over it. You <laughs> gave me the correct thing. Yes, you have DJ Chark higher. Um, and I think that the, the pitch is conceptually the same for both of these guys. Not a lot of target competition, legitimate talents, offenses that will throw a lot. I mean, Minshew threw the ball 470 times in only 12 starts. He did appear in a couple of other games, but I don't think there's any reason to believe that he can't be a top 10 passing attempt quarterback. And with that rebuilding defense, there are going to be those garbage time opportunities. And in my mind, there isn't a, another legitimate receiver on the roster other than LaVisca Chenault, who is a rookie and is somewhat injury prone. So Shark is going to feast for sure. Um, McLaurin now with that injury to Kelvin Harmon looks like he's in a great spot. I mean, who really challenges him for, for targets, Austin? Antonio Gibson could end up the second guy in targets or maybe Steven Sims. Do like Antonio Gibson though. And Steven Sims is no one to laugh at, but yeah, it's uh, Terry is going to absolutely eat in that offense. Yeah, I mean, compared to a lot of other teams, you just look at the, the guys on the depth chart and McLaurin just doesn't have a lot of, of competition. So even if Dwayne Haskins is, is somewhat shaky, we saw, you know, DJ Moore, for instance, a year ago, um, put up a prolific season with, uh, you know, turbulent QB play. So this is something um, that isn't as worrisome as maybe it once was in the fantasy community. And uh, definitely excited to draft both of these guys, um, potentially as wide receiver ones when I when I do load up on running backs and tight ends before that. Um, yeah. But Austin, I've got one for you because you are very uh, high up on David Montgomery. And this is something our rankings are pretty close. I have him at RB21. You have him at RB19. But I have him at 57 overall, and you have him all the way up at 38. So Practically it's a crazy how that happens. <laughs> it really, really is. Those these wide receivers this year, man, are just so deep. Um, but you know, David Montgomery, uh, what is your reasoning? Why do you feel like he is somebody who is um, a safe guy to plug in as a, a high end or a mid range RB two? So I, I'm a Bears fan, and speaking from a Bears fan perspective, I can tell you, and obviously you know too, that everything about last season was just about as bad as it could have been. And even then David Montgomery finished with what a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. So I figure if that's literally his floor and he's a rookie still learning now he's acclimated to the NFL acclimated to the offense. And theoretically he's got better quarterback play fingers crossed. Uh, theoretically everything around him is just flowing better. So I see a thousand yards and seven touchdowns as a floor and I'm banking on the ceiling. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm largely on the same page. Some of the raw stats make the bears offense look bad, but not atrocious last year. And that's just not the case when you watched the games, as you were saying, they had no ability to do anything they wanted to do with Mitch Trubisky. I stopped watching games and I'm a bears fan and that hurt to do. It was, yeah, there's been too many seasons where you just get to those last few games and you're like, I have to put a blindfold on when the offense steps on the field. I want the defense to play at both sides. It's, <laughs> time is a, is a flat circle because every single year the Bears, the Bears are built the same. But 
hopefully with Nick Foles, they are at least like below average because even that would be a huge deal for David Montgomery. Um, there is some touchdown regression um, that is uh, potentially due to him, particularly on the ground. Um, and he's only 24 years old. And it's, uh, I think people are stuck on the fact that he maybe doesn't have the running back one ceiling that was once touted uh, coming into last season. But I don't see that as a huge issue when you can just calibrate accordingly and realize that he's a really dependable running back too. Hasn't missed a game in all of his college and his first year of playing in the pros. And as a guy who doesn't have any real backfield competition, Tariq Cohen is going to be the second guy in carries on that team. Yeah. And even then with Cohen taken primarily just like catches out of the backfield, Montgomery can still catch the ball too. So it's another like sneaky part of his game. But the reason that I really do like him at like higher than what you were saying, like I have him at 38 is because receiver is so deep. And I know that running back is not as deep. So he's a guy that I'm willing to kind of overspend on and then still get some really solid receivers after him. That was the tough thing that I dealt with because yeah, there's nobody in their right mind is denying that the receiver position is as deep as it's been since I've played fantasy football. I mean, would you agree? There's, it's just insane. There's guys who are wide receiver fours who I think could be wide receiver twos in certain years. Yeah. Um, going through my rankings, just like as like wide receiver, like 41, 42, 43. And I'm looking, I'm like, wow, these guys are pretty good still. The ultimate one for me is Brandon cooks. Cause he can never, crack my wide receiver top 40 but every time I feel so guilty labeling him outside of that because I know he's going to be good but like there's so many other guys who are also going to be good you know he was getting drafted in the third round last year dang no yeah. I did not I, I wouldn't have thought it was that high that is it's crazy if, if you have time and this is to everybody go look at 2019 just like preseason rankings from like some day in August it is shocking like Baker Bayfield QB4 Brandon Cooks third round like crazy to see the change the Baker hype got so out of control that was I was off that bandwagon thankfully but um I am if Kyler ends up being the same thing I'm a sucker for that because I feel like he is uh gonna be the absolute truth he can Um, run at least so that's uh that gives you a little safer floor True, true. And he didn't plant any, uh, any flags in the middle of fields, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, big time swagger move, but he's, he's got a target on his back. Speaking of uh, the place that that flag was planted, I guess it wouldn't be there, but Baker Mayfield's home. Uh, both of us had a certain receiver on that team higher than industry, which I was pretty happy to see because I've always been no Dell fan. I had him wide receiver nine overall and you had him wide receiver eight. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm in on Odell. I mean, I'm a little bit nervous about it, but at the same time, when you look at after the top, you know, six ish guys, there ten, there seems to be a drop off in my mind where you have a lot of very good receivers, but guys who could just as easily be high end wide receiver twos as they could be back in wide receiver ones. So when I see a guy like Odell, I see a guy who actually can be in that elite upper, upper echelon. And I'm willing to buy into that kind of having a similar mentality to the bears where it was a season that went off the rails in Cleveland. Um, You know, there are some rumblings that he was dealing with an abdominal issue as well. And we've just seen this guy perform at a level that 90 plus percent of receivers cannot perform at in the NFL right now. So I'm willing to take the gamble um, just as much as anything based on the climate of how things lay out towards the back end of the wide receiver one rankings. Yeah, absolutely. And for as outrageous as all the Cleveland hype was last year about all the guys on that team, it's like too quiet this year. I think they got a better head coach. They got the, in my opinion, most skilled like 
between their tight ends, receivers, and running backs. Like they got the best weapons, so that could be a fun offense, and Odell could be the head of it. Yeah, and and Baker has to take a step forward, but I mean, it's it's not as if he completely showed that he was uh, incapable of starting. He just wasn't the the star in the making that his rookie season showed he might be in year two. So yeah, I think it's a it's a big time post hype situation for that whole team, and we already know that um, Jarvis Landry is going to come into value. So like, I I don't even try to like rank him properly anymore. I know he's going to be wherever <laughs> I put him. Um, but let's uh, there's there's a couple of um, other players that I know that we wanted to touch on. And one for me, my last one, in fact, was a guy that I am really going to bat for. And that is Jonathan Taylor. And I know that you had a chance to take him at the beginning of our Dynasty League draft. You went CEH instead. And so, well, you traded the pick. It convoluted, but basically. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm trying to remember this now. No, you traded for the pick. You picked CEH, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am. I am on fire. This show. This is this is spectacular. <laughs> um, but you picked him over Jonathan Taylor. So I, I guess I'm going to throw it to you first. You have Taylor at running back 22. I have him at running back 16. Um, what kept you from placing him higher than you did? And I think they're both both he and Ceh are going to be great. But uh, the reason I don't have Taylor as high just for like in a dynasty, I think he's going to be awesome. But for pure redraft right now. I don't have him as high because I think between Marlon Mack and the Naheem Hines hype, which I think is overblown, but there's enough guys there where I think that his carries will be muddied for a bit his rookie year. So he's not someone who is like on the ultimate draft list for me. I think in the future behind that offensive line, once Marlon Mack's out of town, once they realize how good of a player he is, he's going to be awesome. I think, Clyde Edwards, Edwards Hilaire will be better, but not by much. Yeah, and I, I'm not necessarily banking on Taylor to have a large receiving role. I think that Naheem Hines is quietly going to have a, a bit of a renaissance here. Um, but the the argument that he's not going to be the, the primary guy uh, running ball between the tackles to me seems hard to believe just because when they invest that second-round draft capital in him, um, behind that offensive line that honestly has allowed Marlon Mack to finish as an RB2 twice in a row, two seasons in a row, without even playing the full year. Um, I don't think it's crazy to expect that JT could up that standard and, you know, break into um, that 15, 16 running back range, even his first year. The, the learning curve for running backs tends to be less steep than most other positions. And, you know, if there's going to be a guy who's going to hit the ground running, it's probably one who rushed for an average of over 2,000 yards three straight years in college five school. That is just mind-boggling. And just all of the all of the measurables, the combine drills, he is, checks every single box for a future you know, star in the making, a transcendent running back. I'm willing to get in now because I think this is by far the cheapest we'll ever be able to get him. Uh, excuse me, be able to get him. Yeah, his body of work is absolutely unreal. But uh, I'm, And that's why Dynasty A-plus giving him. But right now, between and like between not really having preseason games or mini camps or like to, like a lot of time to acclimate to the offense, I think even if he does pick it up quick, they are still going to at least start the season with giving Marlon Mack like a fair amount of carries. So I think that alone is why it, I kind of have him in like at running back twenty two, which is still like RB two territory, which I think he'll achieve pure numbers like at the end of the season, but it's just not a ride I really want to be on for the first couple games. 
Yeah, and the abridged offseason is going to make things a lot more convoluted. Um, I think that's going to have a huge impact on the wide receivers. With so many wide receivers that people are expecting a lot out of this year, um, probably going to get off to slow starts anyway because there's only so much opportunity to go around. Um, but now there could be even more um, opportunities to buy some of these wide receivers in the 2021 offseason. I'm calling my shot now. C.D. Lamb will be at a fat discount this time next year, and then he will never see that discount again. So I'm already excited for next offseason, but I am way ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Who else did you have? I'm out of players. All right. I've just looking at the rankings. This is the one I thought was the most interesting. You have J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram respectively ranked RB24 and RB26, and I have them respectively ranked RB30 and RB40. So just wildly different between our takes on the Baltimore backfield right now. So what are your thoughts? Why do you have them so high? So first of all, putting Dobbins ahead of Ingram, and it's you know just a slight tweak because I think it will be a 1A and 1B situation. Um, I think it's just uh, – speaks to the way that the team is is headed first of all um you know with Lamar Jackson with Hollywood Brown Mark Andrews a young offensive nucleus at the skill positions I think that they would be thrilled John Harbaugh would be able to plug another player heading into his prime into that group so if Dobbins shows well in the first few games I think that he will start to take the the lion's share of carries I just believe in the talent frankly um you know watching tape before the draft um you know there were a lot of running backs that caught my eye um, but the the number one before I knew, you know, who went where um, by far for me was J.K. Dobbins just for his home run hitting ability. Um, this guy is a, a clear one cut runner, has good power, good balance for his size. So um, it's it's kind of a belief just in the player itself. And then for Ingram, still a guy that I think is going to be in a lot of favorable situations behind that line with, you know, Jackson opening up the field, especially to the edges. Um, so, you know, two guys who I think will be uh, startable most weeks as a tandem, but I do slightly prefer Dobbins. Okay. So I, yeah, I don't disagree with that. My fear with them is that they're going to just be cannibalizing each other to the point that it's not really like, like elite to start either of them. And then on top of that, Lamar Jackson is also cannibalizing both of them who are already cannibalizing each other. And then if you really like, I, I don't think they're going to play too much into it, but you got preseason darling justice Hill and Gus Edwards, who really wasn't that bad running it behind them. Like it's just so muddy over there. And I think it will clear itself out or clear itself out next off season, but just for redraft right now, it's just, it's weird because they're an awesome rush, rushing offense, but it's just the backfield I want to avoid. Gus Edwards is good. No, I, I buy that completely. Um, he was uh, five plus YPC two years in a row and uh, on a you know reasonable number of carries, not a massive sample, but um, you know, that offense does make people look better. But at the same time, I think he is also legit. Um, if there's any team that should run a four man committee, it should be the Ravens. Damn it. It should yeah, not be the absolutely. Rams. Do you buy that <laughs> just like quickly? I, I think that's total bullshit from Sean McVay. Um, before all those comments, I already had uh, Cam Akers substantially lower than everyone else in the industry. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I will have zero Cam Akers shares this year before that I news, too. don't remember where you had him in your rankings. We definitely are far off because I am, uh, I'm into Cam Akers. But where did you place him? <laughs> you don't even want to know. I got to oh, scroll I down. I want to know. Oh, keep going. I have him at running back 37. Oh my God. Which that, maybe looking at that, that might be a little rude. <laughs> he should probably be a little higher, but I would not put him over RB 30. 
A running back four. That is that is disrespectful. Cam Akers, if you are listening, and I know that you are, uh, <laughs> Austin's door is open. He will challenge you. He will challenge you to an arm wrestling match, a good old gentlemanly arm wrestling match, um, in order to establish the fact that he thinks that you are a running back four. Um, running yeah, back three. Well, low end running back three. Thirty set. He's your first running back four. Uh, don't even don't even run from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just in that situation. Like he probably should lead the Rams and carries like I know there's all the like coach speak about him like being the guy and that Daryl Henderson profiled as like I forget who it was but some like low-end there was like uh I can't remember his name but some low-end guy and then they profiled Cam Akers as like some like bigger bigger like running back with like they want to be using him more I don't buy it I think they're going to be using kind of a committee I think that they still have a very bad offensive line it's just, I don't want him. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to come back to that one. Um, and we need, to, we need to come armed with some arguments because, yeah, we are uh, way, way opposed on that one. Um, that's going to that's gonna be fun to watch. I'm, I'm psyched just to watch this rookie class. I'm sure you are too. But these, uh, let's wrap up here with um, just some general draft tips for this season. Um, after, you know, getting in the nitty-gritty with these rankings, it always helps me to kind of suss out the trends that I see in different positions and, you know, no two drafts should ever be the same. You shouldn't have a preconceived strategy that is rigid, but you can have some ideas of which positions you target when. Um, and so I, Austin, I want to hear from you. What are some of your draft strategies that are specific to the 2020 talent pool? So what I'm noticing is both at quarterback and tight end, if you don't get one of the elite top guys, it is so deep that you can just wait for a while and still get a really good guy later on. And then it's kind of similar with the receiver, except receivers deep for a while from start to finish. So receiver, you can also kind of wait on, but I wouldn't mind grabbing some of the, like the top, top guys kind of early. That being said, running back early, running back often, because that is not deep. There is not a bunch of elite ones there. So if you can help it, I would go running back early. Yes, I'm, I'm leaving with no fewer than two running backs in the first four rounds of pretty much every draft. Um, if I can, you know, there's been a case where I went all four. Um, I think I took five, you know, four running backs in the first six rounds of one draft. And it's by far my favorite one that I've done so far. So um, I'm running back heavy and then just hammering wide receiver in the middle rounds. I mean, it's, yes, there's depth there. So maybe that uh, kind of dilutes the value of individual players but you need to see that that's a strength relative to every other position. So I'm just going to continue to add those guys. Ideally, I want to stack up like four or five really good startable receivers between, you know, roughly wide receiver, you know, 15 to wide receiver 40 once, you know, you've, cause you've missed out on all the top guys going uh, RB, RB. Um, but I mean, those are, those are the easiest parts for me. And then the variables are kind of where I take tight ends and where I take quarterbacks. Um, what are you doing at tight end? Who are the guys that you feel like you're going to end up with most often? So I, as much as like Travis Kelsey is unreal. So if I like got him at a discount, I would take him, but I usually wait on tight end. And that being said, I love Hayden Hurst. Uh, I just think the Falcons have a ton of room to operate. No Austin Hooper. He's going to like at a minimum, he's going to get looks and looks should theoretically transfer into points. Uh, I also like, I like, uh, I don't know. Hayden Hurst is usually the guy I go with. Jared Cook's not awful just being tied to Drew Brees. Any quarterback that has a good – or sorry, any tight end that has a good quarterback is someone I'm fine with. Jack Doyle's a deeper one that Phillip Rivers loves his tight end. So if you want someone just at, like, the back end of the drafts, go snag Doyle. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, Doyle's Doyle's super, super cheap. Um, the two that I normally end up with if I don't get a guy, for me, actually, I, I feel a little bit better about the upper echelon of tight end for just a season-long league. I'm willing to draft any of the first five guys with Darren Waller being the fifth um, among that group at their ADP. Um, but after that, I am probably going to end up with Johnny Smith or Mike Gesicki just because I want to take a dart throw, and I might pair them with someone like Jared Cook if I can't get them both together. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the one that kind of changes up. And then I agree. Quarterback is almost always wait until the end, even in super flex leagues. I try to wait on quarterback because I mean, I don't even have to talk about guys who are between or like outside the top 12, just look at guys who are outside the top 20, who will have awesome starting weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo, Kurt Cousins, Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew is low key going to put up stats this year. Like we talked about. So, I mean, if I miss out on Mahomes and Lamar, like dropping a little bit, I wouldn't even take them at ADP. I don't care who I get at quarterback, honestly. Yeah. Did you ever think we'd live in a world where Aaron Rodgers is going outside the QB 10? It's kind of crazy. It's the, I mean, it's not his fault necessarily, but uh, I I think it's justified. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Just really, it's bizarre because he's like talent wise, top three, top four. Yeah. They're really, I don't know. I don't really understand how the Packers uh, are planning to, to, build a dynasty at this point you think that they would be if anything all in for Aaron Rodgers and there were all those years with Ted Thompson where they had the philosophy of don't uh get free agents you know build from within the draft the draft the draft and they supposedly like went away from that when he left but it's kind of the same deal who do they have that's highly paid other than uh Rodgers and Adams right now there's a couple of other key stuff Zadarius Smith they signed they, they had a decent offseason last year on the defensive side of the ball but yeah it's just like how do you not get this guy another weapon on offense it's like it's malpractice for someone at that caliber it is and they're they're lucky that Rodgers is not more openly um irate about it because it's it's really bullshit when he's I mean he's not young what is he he's 37 am I am I too high on that I already drafted his successor <laughs> yeah that's too <laughs> shit I don't even we don't even have to get into that because that's a tired take but yeah, like it's a joke that, I mean it's it's crazy the the way that things are looking they might be trying to push him out I um, mean he's 36 by the way um, you know, happy early birthday, Aaron. Um, but yeah, the I mean, drafts this year, uh, I actually think, again, and, and you can't, not a one size fits all, but I think that it is pretty definitive, like what uh, makes sense in, in what we're both saying with running back, wide receiver, throw in tight end and QB towards the end. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll see, I'll have to see what happens. I'm not playing a lot of season long leagues yet. I've mostly been in dynasty drafts up until now. Yeah, I'm pretty much just dynasty at this point. I'll do like a couple season long ones but for the most part i like focusing on two to three leagues at a time so i can really just get into it oh you're uh that's a that's another hipster move right there i i like give you shit as i was like a one league person up until maybe a year ago but <laughs> that is uh i'm i'm addicted now i'm in like six or seven and i know i'm gonna add like another like three or four at least once we get to august so I'm fucked. Um, I'm going to have to try to play 10 waiver wires, which is going to be easily <laughs> the, the most difficult part. But it is fun right now because all I'm doing is just collecting players and every team looks great. Yeah, it's nice. But the, the reason I don't do more is because I hate like rooting against a player and then simultaneously rooting for him in a week. I kind of just like like black and white, like this guy I want to score, this guy I do not want to score. Yeah, I'm so far, like, I've jumped the shark so long ago on that that I, I know that I am just pretty much going to have to root for big plays because I'm going to have <laughs> every player everywhere, somewhere, or they're going to be playing against me. So I'm just going to root for offense. I might get a pennant. Um, 
but I mean, guys, I appreciate you listening here today. That was, uh, that was our show. Um, let us know if you enjoyed kind of this like looser um, version, or if you wanted something a little bit more like last week when we took a couple of deep dives, um, we're playing around with stuff and experimenting still. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. Um, we will be back with another episode next week. Um, we don't have to set this uh, now, but Austin, any, any initial thoughts here for the people on what we want to do next week? I didn't have anything. So I would say we'll, we'll surprise them. We'll drop it on Twitter or maybe it'll just be a surprise. Big time surprise. Oh yeah. Austin, Austin's got something up there. He's uh, he's not even letting me know. He's, he's pretending like there's nothing going on. There's he's, he's got a big idea in the works. So we will, we'll drop the surprise. There'll be a gift for you waiting. Um, and you'll just have to open it on the right day to find out. Um, Absolutely. And before we send you guys off, Troy, would you like a miss or not even a misleading this is just a useless stat useless stat of the week oh absolutely and i know it's going to lead me the right direction but yeah give me a useless stat 100 percent. all right so the the jared goff threw for 517 yards in a week which was the most in the league for 2019 Dak prescott threw for 463 yards in a week which is the second most in the league for 2019 can you tell me who the third player was uh, let me think about just someone who would be utterly – I'm going to go with Kyle Allen. The answer is Matt Schaub at 460 yards in a week. Oh, God, for the Falcons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's Isn't a, that's that great... fun? Play him in daily fantasy. How cheap <laughs> have you been? Bare minimum. That would be such an awesome play to win on, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, wait on quarterback unless you can get Matt Schaub in the top 10 because, <laughs> wow, like you're getting a value there. Um, 460 yards, I mean, just extrapolate that out for a full year. It's, it's record-breaking. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> uh, but anyway, guys, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening, um, and we are out. Yep, see you, everyone. <laughs>